That's in the Old Testament. Now, if you're new to your Bibles, uh, you'll find it in the index in the front of your Bible. Um, it is a couple of books after the first five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We call those the Pentateuch, or it's called by some the Pentateuch. You get past those first five. You'll flip a few more books. You'll find it over there. First Samuel chapter number one. And let's all stand to our feet, if we could please. And First Samuel chapter number one is where we'll begin reading this morning in verse number one. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zophanephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was, now I believe the way that they would have said this in those days was not Hannah like we say it today. I believe it would have been Hannah, probably. But in order to not get laughed at all morning long, I'm not going to say it that way. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other probably Peninnah, probably not Penina as we Americans would say it. But Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And This man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice under the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as He did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Now men, here's a great question to ask your wife when she's having a bad day. Why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? You, want to, you, really, you really want to help your wife have a better day? When she's having a rough day, just walk up to her and say, Now, honey, am I not a good enough reason to be encouraged? <laughs> See how that does for you. Aren't I just a good reason to be happy? You might get slapped. Maybe Elkanah, a little bit lost in his understanding here, says, Are not I better to you than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, verse number 9, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in what? Bitterness of soul. And prayed unto the Lord. And what? And wept sore. Would you say she was discouraged? Would you say maybe even by modern terminology she might have been depressed? Maybe. But then when you get to chapter 2, the first ten verses of chapter 2, a song is recorded. And what is that song? It's a song of rejoicing by Hannah. The one who was so sore in her spirit and in bitterness of soul. In chapter 2, she sings a song of rejoicing. 
In the first half of chapter 1, the Bible says she's in bitterness of soul and that she weeps sore. I want to preach to you this morning dealing with discouragement or how to get from discouraged to rejoicing. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help hurting hearts uplift those that are down. I pray that you would save the soul that is nearest hell. Revive those that need reviving in every way. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this service with power from on high. Lord, you have been a friend to me like I don't deserve. And I pray that you would please help those in this room to see the friend you want to be to them. I pray that you would uplift hurting hearts and that you would again, I beg you please, draw those that are on their way to hell under the, the moment of salvation before they leave today. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. Dealing with discouragement or getting from discouraged to rejoicing. We live in a time today where one of the greatest battles that people face, one of the battles that is so commonly faced that it is one of the most oft treated by doctors and others, is this subject of discouragement. We live in a day where people are so discouraged at times that, and so many people live in discouragement that books are written every year to try to add to the many that have been written to help people deal with discouragement. Discouragement is something that is not new, but I believe that maybe because of some unique attacks from Satan, that today more people deal with it than possibly ever before. Many people spend their lives looking for answers for why they feel down and how to overcome that place in their spirit. I want you to see it in verse number 10 again in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. The Bible says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. What was Hannah so bothered about? Well, the Bible tells us the, the situation here is what had her so down. The Bible tells us in, look at verse number 5, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her what? The Lord had shut up her womb. Now, Many bouts of discouragement are brought on by life circumstances. I don't know that all discouragement is a matter of life circumstances. Now, some preachers look at these things differently, and some preachers would say that I'm saying something that I should never say from the pulpit because they believe so strongly against this kind of stuff. But I do believe that there may be some discouragement that is <clears throat> the result of chemical imbalances 
in people. And look, I am not a huge fan of medications when it comes to uh, some of the side effects and things that they cause in other places uh, in our bodies and in our, uh, in our chemicals that make up and, and, and in ourselves. But sometimes I think they can be necessary. And, and I don't believe that it is a wise thing for a preacher to stand up and say that you should never seek medical help for uh, your discouragement. I believe there are times when somebody's chemicals are so out of balance, maybe from drugs in the past or alcohol, believe it or not, even pornographic addiction can give you imbalances in your chemicals in your brain and the way that things fire uh, can change. I believe that maybe people are getting dopamine hits so heavy from social media that it begins to mess with their brains. That is a proven scientific fact that that is happening in culture today. That, that people, that, that, that these, these designers of these apps have found ways to appeal to you in such a way that it begins to give you a high similar to, maybe not identical to, but similar to the high that some people get when they're on drugs. And what happens is, post by post, color by color, uh, thing by thing on Facebook and Instagram and everything else, these, these apps are designed to constantly keep your attention and keep trying to satisfy your brain. And what happens is people are getting out of balance chemically because there are things that are firing off inside of them that should not be firing off as frequently as they do. And people get out of balance. We're dealing with a society and a culture of young people who are addicted to phones and to uh, and to tablets and, and to social media and to movies and to binge watching things and to playing games. And these video game designers have found ways to keep you addicted to the video games by causing certain colors and lights and, and, and story themes and things of that nature to fire off certain things in your brain that keep you wanting to come back. Are you with me? This is not a conspiracy, it's a known fact. And so what it's doing is it's, it, it is firing off chemicals in people's brains that should not be firing off that frequently. And so what happens then is that it brings people in an imbalance physically and chemically that we have not dealt with in any other generation, in my opinion. I do believe that those things are true. And I believe that sometimes you do need medical help. Now crucify me for that if you will. Some preachers will say the only help you ever need is spiritual. Now, I believe the greatest help that you need is spiritual. But I do believe sometimes we are living in, because we are living in such a fallen world, that there are parts of us that break down and that little by little you may need a little supplementation or medication. I take supplements on a regular basis. Some of them help. Some of them, I think, are just... Uh, are, are just placebos. But, but <clears throat> the truth is that I think sometimes people need different types of help for discouragement. But in this case, Hannah was discouraged because of a circumstance. And the reality is that I believe the majority of discouragement in the world today is because of circumstances more than it is because of chemical imbalances. And those are the types of discouragement that I want to try to help you deal with today. Is everybody with me? Hannah was discouraged. Why? Because the Bible tells us that year after year, her husband would go up to Shiloh to worship the Lord and uh, that uh, when uh, they would go, that uh, he would give a portion unto his other wife, which is a totally different issue all in itself, and to her sons and daughters. He would give portions to them. But the Bible says unto Hannah on this year that he gave a, 
a worthy portion unto her because he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. So Hannah is dealing with a yearly provoking, maybe a constant provoking, by an adversary in her life that is, that is pinpointing a circumstance that is getting her down. And brother, I tell you, we can all have different circumstances and trials that test us. Is everybody with me? Please don't be looking at it or doing anything else. Please, just your Bibles if you would. Please, I'm trying to help you with the Word of God today. We can all have different circumstances in life that can cause different types of discouragement. I'm not here to say whether or not your discouragement or your circumstance is something you should or should not be discouraged about. What does it help me to tell you if you shouldn't be discouraged about it? If you are, you are. And some people think that'll help if you just walk up to somebody and say, well, just don't be discouraged about it. It's not how that works. I've had circumstances in my life as well that have brought me to points of discouragement. And if I were to try to express to you my, my thoughts that brought me to points of discouragement or my circumstances that brought me to points of discouragement, and if I were to try to compare mine to yours, you might be like, well, that's laughable. You ought to hear my story. It doesn't really help us necessarily to try to say, well, you don't have anything to be discouraged about because your circumstance isn't as great as mine was. Let me tell you my story. The, the unfortunate fact is that everybody has a story. One of the old preachers, Dr. Jack Hiles, used to say all the time at the end of his radio broadcast, be nice to everybody because everybody is having a tough time. The truth is, in this life, we all deal with tough times. And sometimes we get the idea that we're the only one going through it and so nobody else really has an excuse, but the reality is, Living in a fallen world where there is sin in this world, we all deal with situations that are tough. And for everybody, we've all got different stories and different reasons. Now, uh, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just saying that I understand that there is no help in comparing what it is that I go through versus what you go through. If you're dealing with some kind of discouragement this morning, you can get help from the Lord. And it is not fair for any one person to look at another and say, you have no reason to be discouraged. If it's there, it's there. And the only thing that can help is the stuff that I believe you can receive from the Lord. And I don't know if I have all the answers. I know I don't have all the answers. But there are some that rest in this passage that I think will be a help. So, stay with me now, please. Getting from discouraged to rejoicing or dealing with discouragement. Number one, you will have to deal with your adversary. Now listen, look at it please in verse number 6. And her adversary also provoked her what? Do you see that? And her adversary also what? Provoked, is everybody with me in verse number 6? And her adversary also provoked her what? Sore. For to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Her adversary. Now listen. Her adversary in this case is not identified. We believe it was probably Penina because she had children of the same husband. And the Bible does say at one point that she was the one that 
provoked her. We believe it was probably Penina, but God doesn't necessarily name who her adversary was. And I believe that there's a really important reason why that may be. Because it doesn't really matter who her adversary was, we just need to understand that when you're trying to deal with discouragement, you will have to deal with your adversary. Now listen, I need you to hear me this morning. Please understand something. There is an adversary of every human being. And some of them are human, but one of them is spiritual. And he exists in the spiritual realm, and his name is the devil. And I don't know if you understand this or not, but you have an adversary, whether it is one in this life or whether it is one in the spiritual realm, who desires to see you devoured, who, desi- who desires to see you down, who desires to see you downcast, and he works over time to work on people's minds and hearts to keep us discouraged. You do have an adversary. Many don't understand the reality of how the devil fights them. He works to discourage and oppress God's people. And you need to understand how He does that. Listen, the Bible tells us that He will tempt us in many different ways and that by tempting us, He can get us to do different things. And I believe that most temptations that people deal with today are mental temptations, battles of the mind. The battle is real in the mind of a Christian. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, if you would please go to the New Testament and look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and let's begin reading in verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 3. Now stay with me. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 3. Now, it's in the New Testament. You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the first few books of the New Testament. Then you'll have Acts and Romans. And right after the book of Romans will be 1 and 2 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And look at verse number 3. For, for though we walk in the flesh. So when the Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, it's talking about the fact that we live in a fleshly world where we can see and feel and touch and hear and smell that we live in this flesh. God created us with a flesh, right? And so that flesh is your skin, and it's your bones, and it's your sinews, and it's your blood, and your cells, and your DNA. That's the physical part of you. And so, though we walk in the flesh and live in this body, we do not war after the flesh. So, the wars that we fight as Christians, most of the time, are not physical wars. They are a different nature. The Bible says in verse number 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, carnal meaning not fleshly, not of this flesh, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Now notice this in verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, what? Every thought to the what? Obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. All right, now, I don't mean for that to sound confusing, but what God is telling us is the wrestling that we do is happening in a spiritual realm and that we need to understand that Satan is battling for our minds. He's battling for our minds. He's battling to control mind space in your thoughts. He's battling to keep you down and discouraged. He's battling to keep you defeated. He's battling to keep you in your regrets. 
This is many times the result of an adversary who is working against God's people and constantly bringing up your life's circumstances to keep you down. All right, go back to, the, to our text passage, would you please? Look at it in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And look at it again in verse number 6. 1 Samuel chapter number 1 and verse number 6. And her adversary also, what? Provoked her sore for to make her, what? Because the Lord had shut up her womb. What is her adversary doing? Her adversary is using her circumstance to attack her mind. Are you with me? So you've had a discouragement, a dep- something, a, a circumstance that has caused you to be discouraged. Satan will key in on those things and speak to your mind to try to keep you down. He'll bring it up all the time. You'll have these constant thoughts about that circumstance, about that situation, and you can't shake them. What is that? Sometimes it's your own mind, but many times it is Satan trying to keep you wallowing in the sorrow of your circumstance. And trying to get you to do what? What does the Bible say? For to make her what? Do you see verse number 6? Hey y'all, we're trying to do some plowing here. Would you please listen? And if this is just for one person, I hope that one person is listening but, I, I, listening, but I believe it's for more than one. I'm begging you please to listen. I know Satan tries to distract us and keep us from hearing, but I'm pleading with you. Hear the Scriptures. Look at verse number 3. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her what? Satan wants you worried about that circumstance. Your adversary wants you thinking about it all the time. Wants you sore about it all the time. Wants you fretting about it all the time. Wants you to go back to that failure and make you feel bad about it. And make you fret about it. And make you ask questions about it. And make you sore about it. And make you bothered about it. He's constantly working in your mind as your adversary to take you back to the circumstance that started this whole thing and keep dragging you through it. That's real. It's real. It happens. We have to be able to identify what is going on. Sometimes long after the circumstance is over, the circumstance is still getting us down. Are you with me? Sometimes long after the failure is over, the failure is still discouraging us. Sometimes long after the divorce is over, the divorce is still discouraging us. Sometimes long after that mistake you made with your child, that mistake is still discouraging us. Listen to me. Do everything you can in your power to right that ship and to wrong that right. But listen, once you've moved past it, you are still going to have to face an adversary that is going to begin to constantly bring you back to that circumstance to try to cause you more sorrow. 
I wish there was one answer for each person's discouragement, but the reality is there are multiple types of circumstances that bring everybody's discouragement on. And there are some situations that can be dealt with and handled, like you can get right with your husband or wife. You can get right with your child. You can get right with whatever situation that is. There are some things that can be made right, but then sometimes there are some things that can't be made right. No matter how hard you try, that person won't listen to you. Hello? No matter how hard you, you want to, you cannot go back and undo it. And we cannot afford to let our adversary cause us to continue to fret over that circumstance. And we have to deal with our adversary. We have to understand that there is an adversary. That your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why would he keep bringing up your past? Why would he keep bringing up that sorrow? Why would he keep dragging you through that mud? Because he knows if he can keep you from trusting that God wants to give you the victory, then you'll keep yourself down and you'll be useless. He knows He can devour you if He can keep you discouraged and bothered about your circumstances. Is everybody okay? Would you please turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter number 15? Now, I need you to stay with me. Please, please, look at Proverbs chapter 15. Please. Please. Listen, I'm not saying... Hey, listen to this preacher. I am not... Please listen to my words right now. I am not saying it is wrong for you to be discouraged about a mistake or about a, a great hardship or heartache. I'm not saying that's wrong. That is not what I said. Because if you believe I'm standing up here trying to beat you up over the fact that you feel down about a circumstance that was hard in your life, you won't listen. And I'm here to tell you that is not what I'm saying. Because I know that doesn't help. Amen. I know it doesn't help for somebody to tell you just get over it. It's not worth worrying about. If you remember the beginning of my message, I said that nobody, nobody should be able to look at another person and say, just don't worry about it. It doesn't help anything. Remember I said that. Amen. I'm not telling you that your circumstance wasn't real and you shouldn't be bothered about it. I'm not preaching at you about being down about it. But I want you to see this in Proverbs chapter 15 and look at verse number 13. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 13. Is everybody, if you're there, would you say Amen. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is what? You ever feel like you're just walking around with no drive and determination? Like, man, something just happened in you that has changed you, and you're just not the person you used to be? Anybody? What is that? It's called a broken spirit. What is the spirit? It's the inner part of man. It's the part of you that nobody can see. It's that part of you that only God can see, that exists in a spiritual realm. It's... it's it's your inner thoughts. It's your inner desires. It's your, it's your inner man. Are you with me? That's your spirit. There's so many people walking through this life with a broken spirit. 
Not the person you used to be. Not the way you used to look at life. Not the way that, 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 that things were at one point. And sometimes you can even go back to a place in your life and say, I remember when I used to be this way, and I'm not that way anymore. I remember when I, I, I didn't get down so easily. I remember when I used to have more determination. I remember when I used to have more drive. I remember when I used to not be so easily bothered. I remember when circumstances didn't get me down so quickly. And people say, I don't know what's going on. And I'll tell you one of the things, and I don't know if I have all the answers, but I'll tell you one of the things that's going on is that people walk around with a broken spirit. And that broken part of you, that inner man, that, that God wants to heal cannot be healed as long as we allow ourselves to live in the sorrow of the past. Did you see that in verse number 13 of chapter 15? Look at it, please. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Do you see that? By what? By sorrow of the what? Heart, the spirit is broken. Now, I'm not telling you not to sorrow. That is not what I just said. But I am saying, that if you want your spirit back, if you want your drive back, if you want your determination back, there has to come a time when we stop letting our adversary drag us through the sorrow of that heartache or drag us through the sorrow of that, that mistake or drag us through the sorrow of that sin. There has to come a time when we acknowledge, okay, it happened, it's horrible, I hate it, but I have to stop sorrowing in it. Sometimes it's failures. And you go back and you look at that circumstance and you just feel bad about it. Like, man, if I had just done this different, I just can't believe I did that. And you, you sorrow over it all over again. And it keeps you down and it will break your spirit and steal your drive and steal your determination. You cannot afford to live in the sorrow of the past. You can't. You want your spirit back? Ask God to help you deal with the sorrow of it so you can move on. Amen. You have to face it, honestly. Yeah, I messed up, but you know what? It's not helping me to dwell in that mistake and the sorrow of it. Is everybody okay? By what? Sorrow of the heart. The spirit is what? You want your spirit back? You want your drive and determination back? You want that inner man inside of you, that inner woman inside of you to feel the zest of life again? It's the sorrow of it that's breaking your spirit. Not the circumstance itself. The sorrow over it. You understand what I just said? Let's go back to our text in 1 Samuel, please. Her adversary provoked her sore and made her fret. Do you see that? And then what does the Bible say in verse number 10 was the end of all this. She was in bitterness of soul and wept sore. 
The word sore is used twice in this passage. Are you with me? One time, it is used in reference to the fact that her adversary provoked her sore. Second, it is used in reference to the fact that she wept sore. She was brought to a point of sore weeping because she allowed her adversary to affect her and fret and make her fret over her circumstance to the point that she provoked her sore and made her weep sorely. She made her sorrow over it. Are you with me? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. She made her sorrow over it. She made her feel bad about it. She bugged her about it. She annoyed her about it. And that's exactly how your adversary works. He'll just keep taking you to the past and keep breaking your spirit by making you sorrow over it. By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Did you hear that passage? So what do you think your heavenly Father put that in your Bible for? Hello? Why do you think He put it there? To help us. Not to hurt you, not to preach at you, not to make you feel like, well, He's just saying I shouldn't have sorrow over it. Wrong! That's not it at all. There are things that we should have sorrow over, but there has to come a time when we stop letting the sorrow of that circumstance break us. You have to let the sorrow go. I'm not saying you have to let that person go. I'm not saying you have to move past that circumstance to the point where you never remember it. I'm just saying that the sorrow of it is what is breaking you. Because that's what your Bible says. And I'm telling now listen to me. I think this may be as far as we get. I've got three other points for the message. Before she could get to the song of rejoicing, she had to deal with her adversary. Her adversary was constantly dragging her through the sorrow of the fact that she couldn't have a child. And it was keeping her down and she was weeping sorely. She was bothered all of the time. Every time the adversary would come along and bother her about it, she was bothered. She did not have any rest in her soul because of the sorrow of her circumstance. Your adversary knows what tools work against you and he will use them continuously over and over and over and over again. Can I tell you something? I have read books on discouragement and depression. I've listened to podcasts on discouragement and depression. I've read my Bible and prayed for help with discouragement and depression. And can I tell you, when I came across this verse in Proverbs 15, 13, and God was finally able to point out to my mind the simple truth that it is the sorrow of my heart that breaks my spirit. It fixed something in me that nothing else could. And I'm trying my best to help you understand you have an adversary that will take you and drag you through your sorrow over and over and over again. And that's what's keeping your spirit broken. And I wish you would hear it. I wish you would hear it. She provoked her sore. She made her fret. She tried to pit her against God because the Lord was the one that shut up her womb. Hello? Did you see that in verse number 5? But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Hello? Do you see that? 
Your adversary will try to pit you against the God of heaven who loves you and say, it's God that did this to you. You ought to be angry at Him. That's how your adversary works. Telling us what God is doing isn't fair. He was the one who shut her womb. So, He's the one to be mad at. God may allow us to go through hardships for reasons we don't understand, and we must guard against our adversary being able to use these trials to pit us against our loving Father. Satan may have the facts like, yeah, God shut up your womb, but he doesn't have the reason. Only God knows the reason. One thing, and I guess, I, I'm, I, man, I got so much to preach to you. One thing she did, even though her adversary provoked her and made her fret, one thing she didn't stop doing. What is it? And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Do you see that? What does that mean? It means no matter how hard her adversary tried, one thing Hannah did right that got her to the point of rejoicing was that she kept going back to the Lord and not letting her adversary pit her against the, the Heavenly Father who loved her. Amen. Hello? Don't let him do it. Do not let your adversary convince you that your God doesn't love you because of your circumstance. Do not let Him separate you from your Heavenly Father. Do not let Him play that dirty old trick that He's been playing for generations and generations because He's tried to do it with people since the days of Hannah and even before her. Let me tell you something. Your adversary knows if he can separate you from your Heavenly Father that you're now exposed and he can devour you. You need your Heavenly Father more now than you ever have before. Don't let Him separate you. She provoked her sore, made her weep sorely, made her fret constantly. But one thing she didn't do, she refused to turn away from God. Hello? Listen, you're going to have to deal with the sorrow. And, and I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm just telling you, if you want your spirit back, you have to, let, you have to stop living in the sorrow. If you want your spirit back, you have to stop living in the sorrow. It's not God who's taking you there. It's your adversary. You know what Brother Kinsey preached until a quarter after and sometimes long, long after this and I didn't even know the time was passing. You may know the time is passing. It may be crawling by for you right now. But I'm going to finish this message. Um, well, you know what? Nope, the Lord won't let me do it. We're going to stop with point number one. I may finish it tonight. I may finish it next week. I don't know. I can't promise you. 
I'll seek the Lord on that and hope to not get it wrong. Getting from discouragement to rejoicing. Number one, you will have to deal with your adversary. Understand that most of the time, there was a real circumstance, but the reason you're still dealing with the sorrow of that circumstance is because you have an adversary that knows how to keep you down. Knows how to keep speaking certain thoughts into your mind and keeping you discouraged. Are you with me? Knows how to provoke you and make you fret. Are you listening? And God wants to give you the victory if you'll turn to Him. It may not come in a night. I wish it did. The truth is, most of the time the journey out of discouragement and depression is a journey. Because everybody needs little truths that will help you deal with that failure. Everybody needs little truths that will help you deal with that heartache. And they come most of the time, listen, I wish they came in one answer. But if that were the case, there would be one book that had been published to help us all deal with depression and everybody would have the answers and nobody would ever have to fret. Are you listening? If it were so easy to find one answer that will help everybody overcome it, then we would all find it quickly and be over it. I believe one of the reasons why it's difficult for people to really pinpoint a cure for depression is because the reality and a cure for discouragement is because the reality is it's based on so many different circumstances and people are so unique that they need different answers at different times. And little by little, it's a journey that God can bring us out of and give us the victory over. It doesn't happen often overnight. Sometimes it can. Sometimes you can get one answer that will give you the victory. And I believe you got one that will really, really help you begin to address it and deal with it today. Actually, I hope you got three or four. But the reality is that if you will just continue to trust God and not allow your adversary to separate you away from Him, that God will continue to heal little parts of your soul and heal little parts of your mind and heal little parts of your thought process that have put you in such great sorrow. And He will allow you at some point to move past the points of discouragement because of multiple answers that you receive from His Word and from His Spirit. And, and little by little, God will help you deal with it. That's why you need to stay in touch with Him. If there was one sermon to overcome all discouragement, we would all preach it probably just about every Sunday. The reality is every situation is so unique and every person is so unique. What it's going to take is a consistent walk with God as He gives you answer by answer, step by step. You cannot afford to let your adversary separate you from the God who loves you. Is everybody hearing me this morning? If the doctors had their answers, they wouldn't have to just throw medications at your problems. <laughs> you know what's amazing? I've read books on depression, and the reality is most of the time all they do is talk about the, the fact that people have it and talk about the different types of depression that people have. 
you never necessarily get real answers. The world doesn't have your answers. The God who created you knows what you need. And He'll give you answers piece by piece, book by book, verse by verse, situation by situation, thought by thought, service by service, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Is everybody okay? But by sorrow of the heart, what? Huh? Did you already forget it? By sorrow of the heart, what? The spirit is broken. When you have a broken spirit, it comes from sorrow of the heart. And God can give you victory over that sorrow. And you've got to identify that you have an adversary who is going to work to make you fret and he's going to provoke you sore and he's going to use your circumstance to try to get you to be bothered about what God is doing in your life. And you can't afford to because God is your answer. Now there's more to this message. Maybe I'll finish it tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, I beg you please that you would help some of your precious people this morning. Lord, I beg you please give them the answers that they seek. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I know for a fact, there's no question in my mind, I know for a fact 